cables, everyone. Could do with some wireless technology up in here. That's what we could do. Oh, jeez. Catching my bed on the microphone. Oh, God. Uh, okay. okay. So today I come to you with a message, a message which is important. We hang on before we even get rolling. All right, so there is there is three weeks left in November. So there is three more podcasts, including this one. This one is, is the, the the first of the three. Um, so I, I wanted to take some time to bring you bring you some messages, some messages of uh, maybe not hope. I don't feel like hope is what I do. Maybe quiet contemplation. Not too sure. Not too sure what I do um, in, in my <laughs> in my podcast. But I want to bring you some messages, bring you some ideas. And I was watching something really interesting earlier, which we shall discuss. And as well, I'm also in the process of kind of doing a fake NaNoWriMo. So if you don't know, NaNoWriMo is where you write a book in a month. I think I've mentioned it a few times before. This month, I... I aren't writing a book in a month. I already did that. I, I did that. It's, it's down here. Okay. There we go. Okay, right. So if you can see, this is the book I wrote. Uh, uh, on, on. If you can hear that sound, that that is that is the book I wrote. I wrote this last year. And then I never looked at it ever again. Because I hate proofreading. That's, that's straight out there. I hate proofreading. I'm not a grammar uh, person. I do not like going back and editing grammar. I write a lot like I talk, which is inconsistent and uh, and kind of messy. So it, when you can imagine, when I write, there's a lot to correct, and I don't want to correct it. I just want to get the concept out there uh, and then move on. It's harsh, but it's true. <laughs> so I'm proofreading. Uh, this this nanorama, I decided that instead, what I would do is edit the book I wrote. Uh, go through, proofread it, chop up some bits, take some bits out, put in some more bits, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and that's what I'm doing. But what it has done has ignited in me a, a thought, which was why I watched a video. So I watched this video, and this video was all about overanalyzing work and how often we can overanalyze work. The uh, the example it gave at the start of the video was the, uh, the idea of someone writing, the author writes... The curtains are blue. And the English teacher says, the author meant the curtains are blue, which represents the sadness in the room and the depression felt by the character. The author meant the curtains were blue. And that, I thought, was a very poignant idea. And this is something which, this is the, this right here is the divide between people who want to analyze and critique art for their entire lives and the people who want to enjoy art and, and for their entire lives which is why cinema is so amazing because it, it bridges that gap you know someone who can watch a film any film and enjoy that film and then a critique or critic can can look at that film and enjoy that film but also critique that film and so they see something more than than what is originally there, and the same with anything visual, anything like anything like that. But it's a problem I find. It's a problem which artists grasp onto, 
um, which we're going to kind of delve into. So what the problem I'm, I'm referring to is a problem which I have, I'm guilty of it, is where you're making work, you know, writing your book, drawing your illustration, painting your painting, whatever you do to, to get that idea out of your head. And partway through, you think, this isn't good enough. And it might be good from a technical point of view. It might be perfect from a technical point of view. My work is definitely not perfect from a technical point of view. I think that's kind of the point. But you get power through and you think this isn't good enough. There should be more meaning to it. There should be should be more depth, more sub... What's the word? Subtext. Anything. You, you, you know, you, you should have more theme in it. And I do it. I, I draw things, draw things. I look at that thing and I go, this is freaking obvious. This everything I have done on this page and this work is obvious. It's 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 completely childlike in its representation and its form, and everyone's going to think this is dumb. And I'm basically just pointing out the main obvious thing, and that is not art. And that that is an honest that that is a thing which stops me from producing and creating work. That's one of the few things which really hinders me, and it's a, a habit I try to get out of. And watching this this video, I think, kind of helped a little bit. So you do this, and you do this over and over again. And it's ridiculous, really. Because in reality, if all you try to do is put context and subtext and hide these little Easter eggs and hidden meanings into your work, it'll be terrible. And I mean that completely. It'll be just awful. There's a great scene in Family Guy where Brian is attempting to write his book... And he's coming up with character names, and he calls him John Everyman. Or something to that effect. And he sits back and nods to himself and goes, Yes! John Everyman. Because he is just a regular guy. He is Everyman. But that's just for the scholars. And my God, if that is what you do with your work, it'll be terrible. I'm sorry, but it will be. It is completely fine to go back and do that, and that's what I'm going to get to. But to start work with going, no, I want all this subtext. I want nothing but subtext. I want I want people to think it's some sort of dramatic and brilliant genius, which only someone who has painstakingly poured over the words and it all came out perfectly. No, that doesn't happen. This just doesn't... It doesn't happen. What does happen is inspiration and what does happen is this idea that you can come up with an idea and it have greater subtext than your original meaning and that's kind of what this video is about so the video i watched uh was essentially about overanalyzing films and it starts with the initial idea which is king kong um so king kong if you don't know about a giant gorilla who is uh, kidnapped from an island taken back to the sea and then gets wild goes wild in the sea and gets shot down and dies sorry spoilers it's a it's a film from like the nineteen twenties. If you if you don't know the story of King Kong now, honestly, where have you been? Anyway, so there's a huge backing and theory that the story of King Kong is a representation of the American slave trade. Now, the creators of King Kong deny this completely. They say this is not that was not their intention. Any releva- re- relevance to that is completely coincidental, and that is perfect. That is a perfect example. So, they created this film. They did it on inspiration, wanting to create a story and wanting to push something else. And at the time it was made, the likelihood of you know raising a flag to the American slave trade was probably not you know the main focus behind making a film. They just wanted to make a film about a giant gorilla, 
And they did. And it was good. And the fact that we can come back to it and apply theory and apply meaning to it shows the depth which is there. Now, the contrast to that is someone like Stanley Kubrick. Now, Stanley Kubrick has perhaps the most overanalyzed films ever. And part of that is down to the mythos which surrounds him. So the, you know, the shooting schedules, how anal he was about work, the fact that he, you know, required someone to take photographs of thousands of doors for eyes wide shut for a singular shot, the, the 127 takes, all of this suggests someone who is completely anal about everything about that film. However, all his films are extremely overanalyzed because everyone started looking for these deeper meanings. They started picking apart every single little single aspect to try and drag meaning out to the point of where it's like getting blood from a stone. Nobody's going to find some hidden meaning in freaking The Shining, which hasn't been seen already. It's just not going to happen. And if it does, I mean, fantastic. But at the same time, that's not the purpose of the film. So what Kubrick said when creating work was that he very little plans thematically and and symbolism wise and that that is in it's not incredible in a way that's that's perfect that describes every artist i've ever met that describes anyone who creates work who t- gets taken by inspiration and allows ideas to grow is nobody starts off with oh i need to put 20 million layers of subtext into anything just for it to be worthy I feel like if this is a pep talk for you or a pep talk for me, but I find, and this is something I found more and more this year, is the work which I make without thinking completely outweighs the work I make whilst I'm thinking. And so it's always nice when something, you know, you put some effort and time into does take off. But the things which you you just do out of instinct and, and passion, because even if you're doing something out of instinct and passion, even if you just had an idea and you you chase the idea, there's still going to be subtext there because you're still your brain's still wired that way. It's automatically put in that subtext. You know, you think so. A, a way I'd structure it is if you if you have let's say you need to cast a scene, and you you're thinking right, I'm going to put a scene together, um, and it's going to be it's going to be going to be violent. Instantly, as soon as that word comes into your brain, your brain is making subconscious connections between everything thematically which you have associated with violence. You're seeing red, you're seeing guns, you're seeing knives, you're seeing blood. That is is subtext. It seems very obvious because they're, they're, they're bold, flashing images in your brain, but you will craft that scene in a violent manner and that will that will lead into everything you want. And then this is where the proofread comes in. So in a way, I'm explaining why I'm proofreading and also explaining why I maybe should proofread more often. I do it with my illustrations, so I don't know why I do it, don't do it with literature. So my suggestion is that the work you're making right now, the work which you're painstakingly torturing yourself over, the pain work which, you know, you're spending late nights going, oh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's serious enough. I don't know. I don't know if it's arty enough. Will the highbrow people understand this? Will they just go, this is extremely obvious? Do I need to write every single scene thinking about every single prop? And my honest answer is no, you don't. You just don't. 
It's important to think when you create work. But you don't need to overthink when you create work. And that's the worst thing, one of the worst things you can do. So this is my suggestion. This is my suggestion of how to create work. Allow inspiration to take you. Come up with an idea. Think about how work makes you feel when you read it, when you see it, when you listen to it. It's a lot. It's so strange that we, we categorize it in the way that it's kind of like, it's more like making music. And we see music as a creative thing of just allowing music to flow and flick and play. But there's so much subtext and context in, in music, which, you know, if you're not a music critic, you, you miss. I miss, I miss labeling critic and critique all over the place here. But you miss those things because, you know, you're not used to listening to sounds and going, oh, I need to figure out the meaning of that note and why they played that note and why they chose that instrument and that chord and blah, 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 blah. You know, you don't hear that. And in a way, visual and written imagery is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. You know, you start a drawing. You, you want to, you're trying to put a feeling into it more than anything else. You're trying to put an idea into it and, the same with writing. You know, you're writing. You, you, you're getting the story out. Your first draft is, is your first draft. Get the story out. Get it written. Get it on the page. And you can read back and go, yes, this is the story which I wanted to tell. And then go back and proofread. Go back. And then if you want to put in, you know, your 50 layers of subtext, do so. Do it then. Don't stop yourself from writing because you can't do it on the first flow. You know, if you you want to talk subtext, and you want you, I mean subtext. Yeah, you want to talk. You want to talk theme and over analysis. Have you seen the Mona Lisa? Mona Lisa is a great painting, but my God, is that over analyzed? And that they've gone back through, you know, taking X rays and stuff of, of the underneath of the Mona Lisa. And there's like fifty drafts under there. That is not the first Mona Lisa that Da Vinci painted. It's there's so much going on there. And that first one, the initial concept, was to paint a portrait. That's all it was. That's, I'm going to paint a portrait of this woman who looks kind of like uncooked bread. But this woman. And that was the whole theory. That was that was everything. And then everything else came after. I mean, I'm never going to meet Da Vinci, so I'm never going to be able to ask him this. But I can almost guarantee it. When the when of mice and men was written, the story was written, and whilst there, yeah, there will have been a theme in the head of, oh, we need to cover these themes, and we're going to cover this economy and how we treat people, and blah 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 blah. Whilst that would have been an overarching story idea, all those little extra things, the colours of dresses, the the you know the conversations used, all of that will have have, have been laid upon after. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes. You know, the idea of putting concept into something becomes much, much easier. You know, we spoke about doing a violent scene earlier. Once you've learnt subtext and context and all these kind of thematic values, it becomes very easy to craft a violent scene without even using a gun. You could just throw in some colorization, tone language, lots of consonants in the language, the speed of editing. There's lots of layers you can do with it. And that's why proofreading is good. That's, in a way, that's the real part of art. 
I come up with literally thousands of initial sketches. And when I do initial sketches, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to drag this, I need to put this in, and now it needs to be a statement on this. Some of them are. But they don't tend to be the good ones. The good ones tend to be when I go, oh, I really want to make a, an image which makes someone uncomfortable. It'd be great if that image was also a statement about life and isolation. Maybe I could just blend that in. Go back over it. Sit there at the end of it. Critique it myself. And then release it. And that's that's the process. I guess what I'm trying to get through to you and through to myself, <laughs> let's remind that, remember that this isn't just about you. This is, this is me. This is me looking back and going, Graham, you, you know, at some point you have to release work and you have to advertise work and not everyone can see the layers you want to see. So perhaps you could just release it and let them make their own, own context and subtext to all. But make sure you look at it before you release. It's, it's one of these. It's frustrating when you watch watch friends and, and people struggling so much to create. Because, I mean, I find it natural. I find it very easy to create. And some people don't. They overthink it. You know, NaNoWriMo is a great example of this. You know, I wrote this book. I didn't plan this book in any way, shape, or form. I'll just I'll throw that out there, by the way. I wrote 50,000 words, and I didn't plan a word of it. I had an initial scene in my head, and I had a kind of a, a few points which I wanted to make along the way. But apart from that, I didn't do anything with it. I just I went along the line of, I'm just going to write. I'm just going to get these words out. And it took shape as I went along. And as I went along, more ideas came. I'm, I, I refuse to make notes, so I, I just—it's—it's it's probably terrible. I guarantee it's terrible. But it—it's it, out there. So now I can go back through it and make it something significant, something which I want to show off, something which I, I want to build on and improve upon, and and it's getting that initial story down. You know, the the whole idea about nano is that you, you have this specific word count you have to meet, so you try and meet this word count every single day. You end up with some real trash. You end up going back and cutting, like, 50% of the, the script. But that's what's needed. You know, in the same way that when you draw something and sketch something, you'll do 20 lines to draw a singular line because you're going, oh, wait, no, that's wrong. Oh, that's not, that's wrong. Oh, maybe just, and then eventually you get that one solid line where you're like, yeah. That's the line. That arm is foreshortening just right, and I can just, I'll just scratch in the rest of that. That, that is exactly the same as proofreading. But you're doing it as you go along, so it feels more natural. It seems more organic. And the same can be said for filmmaking. Filmmaking, yeah, it's a bit different because there's a lot more planning involved. But you can do that on set. You know, you you're scratching out the design and the script and the. the planning and all this kind of stuff but you can add these little little notes of context so you should never just stop work because you feel like your 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 theme isn't strong all of that is to consider the next time you look at it within the editing room within the the word document within the sketch pad all of that i hope i'm making sense as well this is kind of a, a note for critics as well you can overanalyze work 
One of the uh, other balance of this is that I've seen interviews with, uh, so what's the name of that film? So there's that film called Gal. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's the guy from Key and Peele directed it. There's a great Q&A with him where people are suggesting theories about his film. And he's confirming or denying them. And people have picked up on these thematic moments where they've gone, oh, well, you know, this is going on. So this is clearly a reference to this, and this is clearly... And there's all this foreshadowing and, and many layers to it. And he goes through and confirms and denies them, and I found that really interesting. Because whilst he'll have written an initial story of what he wanted to happen, much of this, I imagine, would have come later. You know, wanting to foreshadow it here, wanting to wanted to give a, a brief glimpse of what was going on here and, and all these kind of little notes and that's where you put it in and the important part there when you do go back is to make sure that you're hiding it just enough so it's not just like a hammer and, and going oh look this is about this and this is about this no it's, it's subtly sliding in and that's an art form in itself all I'm saying is let inspiration take you you know create what feels right create what makes other people feel and then go back and make it even stronger by developing it and refining it because once you it's that initial one percent argument again if you start it and it's done and you can look at it then you've got it to look at and critique yourself and that's where you can you can add your layers don't let the fact that you think that if it's overanalyzed it'll run out to nothing just kind of sit in your head because that's that's futile it's a way of getting nothing done. Do you hear that, Graham? Can you? Can you? Are you hearing that? <laughs> Let me know what you guys think. Are you people who overanalyze your own work? Sit there thinking too much about the theme rather than just creating it. The theme will come either way. That's what I think, anyway. I'll talk to you guys later.